Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, December 22nd edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We're going to talk a little bit at the top of the show about the NHL having a start date. Then we're going to chat some NFL Week 16 with you here on today's program. Over at ATS.io, some very good sportsbook promotions posted for today's NBA action opening night across the association Four teams in action. You can get any of them at plus 75 over at DraftKings Sportsbook if you sign up for a new user account. Also, if you're a listener in Iowa, DraftKings giving you a $50 free bet if you register through ATS.io. The in-person registration requirement going off the books on January 1st. So if you pre-register now for DraftKings, they'll give you a $50 free bet that you can use either online or with the mobile app. And also sportsbetting.com for those out in Colorado. Triple your deposit bonus here through January 14th. You can read about that over at ATS.io. And of course, you can read about that on the ATS app as well, which we encourage you to download from the Google Play Store, from the Apple Store. You can get direct links to download that app over at ATS.io. It's a bet tracker. It's an odd screen. Full article integration from the website. All kinds of great stuff for you to check out. So make sure you download that ATS app. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, buddy. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners. And Week 16 NFL and good news on the, on the hockey front. So you know, we're fighting the good fight. Definitely good news on the hockey front here. January 13th, the start date for the NHL. Four divisions, a little bit of realignment here, as we'll have an all-Canadian teams division. And then, of course, we'll have teams kind of grouped geographically. So, Brian, I don't know if you've had a chance to sort of take a look at, you know, this realigned structure that they're going to have, but do you feel like there are any teams that, you know, kind of get maybe a little bit of a benefit now based on who's around them? Well, I think... By uh, I believe by a good margin, the East is the toughest division. Uh, that you can make a case for everyone in there to make the playoffs. Uh, teams, even like the Devils, Rangers, and Sabers, who are on the outs looking in, you know, I think could compete to get into the playoffs. The West is kind of a three horse race with. Vegas, Colorado, and St. Louis. And if you said regular season, does it really mean something? Winning the West matters because I would think the odds are probably close to 80% that uh, the top three are Vegas, Colorado, and St. Louis. So if you win the division, uh, you'd only have to play one of them. You know, and at some point they'd probably, well, they would probably play each other in the first round, Colorado or St. Louis, and a really good team would be out. So I think you start looking at it that way. The Canadian division will be, or the North, uh, will be good fun. I think you know the passion in the games up there will be really interesting. Uh, the one thing that does happen, it guarantees a Canadian team makes the semis, which is never uh, a stroke on the board. And uh, then the Central, you know, Tampa Bay is clearly the class. They're seven to five to win the Central, and uh, I think they'll be a pretty good dog. I think Carolina and Dallas get in, and then a, a nice fight there between Nashville, Columbus, and Florida. Unless Dallas maybe has a little regression going through that bubble and the Stanley Cup hangover, but it'll be interesting. I, I think the the cool thing about the games and from the handicapping perspective, exactly how they're doing, going to do it. We're waiting to see, but the word is we're going to have countless back to back games. Uh, you know, two game series, three game series. Uh, there's reports that are even a handful of them teams are going to play four games in a row. Uh, they're going to be doing stuff to mitigate travel as much as they can. So you have a lot of back-to-back games, a lot of intensity, a lot of hate build up. And the one thing I would also say, the backup goalies are going to play less games numerically, but they're going to play a higher percentage of games in a 56-game season. So you better have a good backup goalie to make sure you get into the playoffs. No, absolutely. And as we look at how the schedule is going to break down here, the teams in the East, Central, and West, all the United States teams, they'll play their division opponents eight times each 
in the North Division, which is the All-Canadian Division, as you mentioned, there are only seven teams there. So you'll play some teams nine times, some teams ten times. So you know, if you're somebody who plays maybe a team like Ottawa more often than you play one of the better teams in that division, maybe that gives you a little bit of an advantage depending on, you know, again, if you get Ottawa nine times or ten times, something like that. Top four in each division make the playoffs, which means four of the seven Canadian teams will make the playoffs four in each of the other three divisions. And like you said, you know, from a handicapping standpoint, I think it should be really interesting because, you know, again, playing the same team eight times with this condensed 56 game schedule, that's going to lead to a lot of interesting adjustments from an odd standpoint, based on what happens in that first game, back to backs, rivalry factors, and also too a lot of familiarity coming with these teams. So it'd be interesting to see how that kind of plays out, you know, where teams evolve from where they start to where they kind of finish up. Yeah, and I would think it, it may, and you know, you'll see how the games are being played and what these matchups are going to look like where you really can utilize the eyeball test, but uh, I think you'd have maybe an impact a lot on totals uh, in terms of, like you said, there's there's some familiarity there and um, the teams knowing how to defend and take away some of the things that other teams do well. Uh, you're playing them a lot, so maybe you see a few more unders than we'd, we'd normally get. Uh, the other thing is the intensity. It's a sprint. Uh, these games will be really physical. Uh, they're going to have a taxi squad of six guys. Uh, just I would think the intensity in these games, just because you're playing the same team. I mean, we only get a handful of them during the year. You used to look forward to them or, you know, a little bad blood buildup. But then teams would hop on a plane and go to the other building, and we get all excited about that. These guys are going to go back to their home or slash hotel, turn around and come back and do it the next night. Um, the one thing Gary Bettman may get out of this that he, I know he's not a big fan of, there may be a lot more fighting in the NHL this year. Yeah, that could definitely be a thing. Training camp starting on December 31st for the seven teams that were not in the qualifying round uh, in last year's bubble for the other 24 teams, January 3rd. And then, as I said, the starting date, January 13th, no exhibition games. So, We'll see how sloppy and kind of disjointed things are right out of the gate. Trade deadline, April 12th. So that'll be an interesting thing with the end of the regular season on May 8th. So as we get closer to the year here, Brian and I will have plenty to talk about on the NHL side and also how we're going to sort of handicap, uh, you know, our expectations of what this thing may look like. Brian, before we transition over to week 16 here in the NFL, I got to ask you about week 15. The Rams lose to the Jets. The Steelers lose to the Bengals on Monday Night Football. Uh, you know, what, first time since I think I saw 1973 or something like that, that two two touchdown or more underdogs won in the same week. Uh, things are getting, you know, very interesting here in the NFL in terms of the playoff push with that extra playoff spot, you know, something that's uh, creating a lot of drama. Well, and, you know, you get the Steelers dropping like a rock here a little bit and they look really disjointed and off their game against Cincinnati to the point, and I, I, I'm not making too much of it, but Buffalo moves up to be the two seed now uh, in the AFC, and then the battle in both conferences to, you know, to see who gets in uh, is going to be an interesting little stretch here. The one thing I would say, and we said this all year long, and we've reached that point, will there be some teams – even starting this week that start to rest guys, you know, basically Kansas city, green Bay, let's say they've got the buys and uh, the bottom line is, okay. You're four seed. You could go up to a three or, you know, if you can move up the ladder, I just don't know, especially in the AFC that it makes that big a difference because I mean, I, you know, what's the difference between playing Tennessee, Cleveland, Indy at this point? I think all those teams are dangerous, uh, and you're, you're going to have a tough test in the, in the first matchup. And I, I would even say Baltimore, uh, Miami with that defense, the way they're playing, and look out. I mean, Baltimore, you would say Baltimore likely gets in, but not necessarily. I mean, if my in this rest scenario – if Miami were to beat the Raiders, they're going to play Buffalo in week 17. And the odds are pretty high that Buffalo's locked in as the two seed. 
going against that defense, Miami may end up playing a lot of Matt Barkley in week 17. So, you know, and Baltimore now, as of today, I, again, I don't know the last two, Miami currently holds the tiebreaker. If that tiebreaker holds for two more weeks, but the point is, you know, some of these teams are going to be trying to get in. They may be playing some teams that are resting guys. And I think the Bills, you say for argument's sake, you play the Bills in the first half against the Patriots. Patriots are deflated. Bills always start fast. They've been a license to print money in the first half. I mean, it's been ridiculous. Um, and you get to the second half. I think Buffalo's going to want to say, well, hey, listen, all these years, you know, we won the division, but I think I think they'd love to, you know, drive the stake into the heart of the Patriots too and say, hey, yeah, well, we'd have done it ourselves anyway. But if the Bills are up big in the first half, you know, I, I was I was holding my breath in the Denver game. I was saying they should have got Allen out of there at the start of the fourth quarter. And sure enough, there was a play where Devin Singletary reversed field and Allen's standing there and the guy comes flying over Singletary to tackle Singletary and chops Allen down. Allen thankfully saw him and threw his – he was up in the air when he got hit. But if his leg was down, he'd have blown his knee out. I mean, like, what are you doing? Get Get these guys out of there. And then Diggs got hurt, by the way. In a series, he shouldn't even have been on the field. So I think there's going to be a lesson learned by a guy like McDermott and other coaches. I really think you're going to have to watch very closely uh, some of these teams resting guys. And it starts this week. Yeah, I think it's an excellent point. And I also think it's kind of crazy that we added a playoff spot in the AFC this season. And there's going to be probably a 10, maybe even an 11-win team that doesn't make the playoffs which is absolutely astonishing. I guess it speaks to how bad the bottom of the conference is in, in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I mean, you're looking at a Baltimore team that could very well you know, finish 11-5 and five and, and not make the playoffs because Miami has that tiebreaker. So definitely a lot of moving parts in the AFC, a lot of moving parts in the NFC as well, where you know it certainly does feel a lot top-heavier than the AFC does. Although I think the Rams are a very, very strong five-seed out there in that conference. Oh, I, I say watch out for Tampa. I really do. I, it's funny how they were the buzz and the bell of the ball. And then they had a couple of off weeks and, you know, you had a little soap opera with Arians and Brady and nobody's talking about Tampa Bay anymore. And I don't think, I'm not saying they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, but every week Brady gets to know these guys. Brady's got playoff experience. And Oh, by the way, slowly now, Antonio Brown is getting to know the offense and get back up to speed and starting to contribute. I think Tampa Bay is actually a very dangerous team in the NFC that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. We'll get back to Tampa Bay in a second. I want to talk about this Christmas game on Friday here between Minnesota and New Orleans. Saints laying seven. Drew Brees returned last week, looked a little bit rusty, didn't have his top target in Michael Thomas, of course, as we all know. Minnesota Pretty inexcusable loss for them. They fall behind the Bears now. They're the ninth spot right now in the NFC. Their playoff hopes are pretty much all but dead here uh, for the Vikings. But you still have a Saints team here laying a touchdown on a short week in a little bit of a difficult spot coming off that game against Kansas City. Any thoughts on this Christmas afternoon contest, Brian? Yeah, I like the uh, Vikes. I like the points. I think uh, New Orleans... I'm not saying that, that massive a letdown. It is no disgrace in losing to the Chiefs. But, you know, now they know, for the most part, it's Green Bay's going to get the bye. So I think when Breeze came back, the majority of stuff he got Adam came at the end of that game when Kansas City was kind of in that protect mode and playing the clock. And, by the way, Kansas City just continues – shockingly to win game after game after game, but burn the betters money. Uh, it ended up being a push, but there was no Michael Thomas short week. I don't know that Thomas plays here. Um, and that was the one thing that before breeze went out, he and Michael Thomas, Thomas wasn't part of the offense. Taysom Hill started to get him more involved again. That would be the biggest thing for the saints is to get breeze and Thomas with a little bit of rhythm, but I can see the air being out of the balloon a little bit uh, for New Orleans. And, you know, knowing that the bye is likely gone and, and they're good, they're fine, and they'll have their opportunity to you know, regroup and get it going. But I think even though they're out, they're technically, it looks like they're toast, I could see Minnesota, you know, circling the wagons for one good final effort here 
Uh, I like the points. Minnesota dropping five in a row against the number. And, and this is one of those things where they had a period earlier this year where they covered six out of seven games. And it, you were, we were kind of watching this play out in the betting market that Minnesota was getting overvalued. Their price was getting inflated. Now it's kind of come back to earth a little bit where they have dropped five in a row. I was on the Vikings last week in the Circa because they were a three-point favorite on the road against the Bears about a month or so prior of course, we all know how that game played out this weekend. They didn't have their best showing. But that's sort of the question here, and, and this is kind of always the question in the NFL. Was that more of a commentary on Minnesota? Maybe, you know, just not being as good as they were in the middle of the season, maybe kind of bottoming out a little bit? Or has Chicago just kind of figured something out with back-to-back really good offensive performances for Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy? So, that's kind of the thing you have to figure out with Minnesota. And it sounds to me like you're just ready to give the bears maybe a little bit of credit. Yes. I'd be more inclined to say the bears are, you know, as flawed, uh, flawed is the word, maybe just the expectations were always unfair with the guy, but they're night and day. The bears better with Trubisky a quarterback than what they were getting out of falls. And that defense can, you know, make plays. So, you know, Chicago's got a little push here. Oh, by the way, you know, Chicago, they play the Packers in week 17. Real good chance, Rodgers. Who, who knows if Rodgers even plays in that game in week 17. But if you're Minnesota, you're looking at Arizona above you, who has two division games ahead of them. Minnesota says, hey, wait a minute. Long shot, yes. But this is, I would think Minnesota says, kind of, this is our playoff game. If they beat the Saints and can make make it to week 17, you know, they've got the Lions, and then they hope for the best that they get help from above. And and when you sit there and say, you know, you're throwing darts, it happens every year where, you know, some wacko scenario comes into play in week 17. So until they tell you you're going home, you're not going home. Speaking of Chicago, as we fast forward to Sunday here for a second, they're laying seven and a half on the road, total 47 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, the Jaguars did not play like the Jets this past week, and the Jaguars played like a team that you know didn't seem all that invested, even with Gardner Minshew back. They get run off the field by the Ravens. The Bears, again, off of back-to-back impressive offensive performances, but can you lay seven and a hook here with Chicago on the road? Uh, it's not one that's on my radar. I mean, I'm staying a mile away from this one uh, just because of that. I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to get from Jacksonville. The last two weeks, I mean, here's the point. I mean, they they lose badly, but they lose to Tennessee and Baltimore. Well, the Bears aren't Tennessee or Baltimore. So <laughs> I are the Bears good enough to be, like you said, be laying those kind of points to anybody anywhere? And, you know, for me, I, it's not one I'd go near. I just, there's too many question marks. Well, I said we'd circle back to Tampa Bay here, and uh, this was a line mover on Monday morning. This one was seven and a half, got bet up into the nine, nine and a half range with the Buccaneers laying a very healthy number on Saturday at Ford Field. Total 54 for this one. And, you know, credit to Detroit. They came and hung around for three quarters against Tennessee before they just kind of wore out in the fourth quarter. And I believe they got outscored 22 nothing in the fourth quarter. Titans with an easy cover in that one. What do you see from this game where, I mean, Stafford continues to be a leader. seems like Detroit plays relatively hard, but they just don't have any talent on the defensive side of the ball. No, and they're toast on a stick. And and, and if, if Stafford, he's literally the first play of the game away from getting knocked out of the game. I mean, give him credit. He's out there uh, playing hard. Tampa Bay gets a little squirrely at times. Like, you're like, what's going on with these guys? I mean, they look horrible for a long time against the Falcons, and then they put it together. I, I think Tampa Bay comes in here with a sense of purpose and maybe puts the Sasquatch foot on them pretty good. But I would think, again, the, the fear, you know, can Stafford hang in there the whole game? But uh, I would envision a game like this, one team fire, trying to fire on all cylinders going in and a team that's loose as a goose and out of it uh, that is capable of going up and down the field on occasion. I, I would probably you know, look at the points. I'd probably, I mean, I'd probably look at the game going over the total. I'd look for points scored in the game. Yeah, that's where I was thinking too. And, you know, also to you get Tom Brady in that controlled environment of Ford Field on a fast track with his wide receivers, that's probably a pretty good scenario for Tampa Bay. And, you know, again, I mean, we've seen 
some decent offenses put up some points on Tampa Bay. Obviously the Falcons kind of sputtered in the second half, but you know, they were able to score in the first half of that game. Minnesota had, you know, 10 missed points from Bailey. Otherwise that game's a lot closer and Kansas city racked up over 540 yards, but only managed 27 points. So teams have moved it on that Tampa Bay defense. I think you're on the, on the right side of that one there with the over what about 459, 460 on Saturday? San Francisco, Arizona, four and a half now we're up to with Arizona, a home favorite. And of course, they need the wins. They control their own destiny there in the NFC for what is likely to be the final playoff spot in that conference. Total coming down on this one from 50 and a half to 48 and a half or so. I guess the question here is, you know, just sort of looking at San Francisco, they're five and nine. They've put up with COVID and injuries and injuries and bad play at the quarterback position. Do you think Kyle Shanahan's team has any interest in playing spoiler this weekend? I I don't, I can't give you an answer because I thought, I thought San Francisco, I was dead wrong on, on that game with Dallas. I was wrong, but I wasn't. They watched that game. I thought San Francisco was going to be a mad football team. Take it out on Dallas. They came out, they got the ball first. Third down, move the chains. They didn't get the midfield. Just an easy pass you and I would have caught. Tight end drops it. They punt. Dallas scores. Uh, then uh, the Dallas punts. The Niners guy fumbles it. They they hand the Cowboys 14 points right out of the gate. Then they fought back, and, and it was close enough. But they they just dug themselves such a hole. Now, I think in Mullins, you know, one week, some of the throws he's making, but I think he ended up getting nicked up. I think – a uh, real chance you're getting Bethard here. Um, another one, you know, Arizona's clearly got something to play for. San Fran doesn't. Uh, but San Fran's capable of you know, moving the football on the ground. I don't trust, again, either team. I kind of trust the way they play, and that would be another game. Uh, indoors, I would think uh, it's a game that could produce points. I have, There's always something about to me, if, if one team's in, one team's out, then you try to figure out who's going to dictate the pace of the game. But I, I, I got a funny feeling it's kind of a mini shootout. I, and I would say the same thing in the other NFC West game, the Seattle game. You know, the first time they played was 23-16. Everybody goes, oh, and then, and then the uh, Seattle struggled uh, to produce points against Washington. Well, that's a good young Washington defense. So he said, well, that'll be a low-scoring game. But you know, don't forget that game that was played November 15th, you had no Chris Carson, you had no Carlos Hyde. So Seattle had no running game. Russell Wilson, as good as he is, was one dimensional. He didn't throw a touchdown. He threw two picks. One was a pick six. Now they've got a running game with Carson and Hyde, which means the play action opens things up. And I think that's a game, even though it's a huge football game, I think the preferred style for both of those teams is to go up and down the field. And I think that's, what's going to happen. Yeah. I like the Rams a little bit in that game as well. I mean, I I know that they just lost to the jets and, you know, obviously that's one that should never happen, but I mean, that's a classic case of a look ahead spot. You know, I mean, we, we think that look ahead spots exist all the time. Sometimes they play out. Sometimes they don't. That one absolutely did. And for Seattle, you know, playing that tough physical game against Washington, where they also coasted through the fourth quarter, much to my chagrin, uh, having Seattle in the in the Circus Sports Million this past weekend. But, you know, they kind of took the fourth quarter off, started looking ahead a little bit to the Rams themselves, wound up, you know, in a game that was a lot closer than they probably expected it to be. So, really, I think you could look down on both of those teams from last week's performances. I just look at the Rams and – Look, I've said, I, I've said on this show that I think the Rams are the second best team in the NFC. And I'm not ready to back off of that position yet. And I think maybe there's a chance that they do show it here this week. So I kind of like the Rams. I mean, I don't know if I'll mess around with the one and a half or just kind of take the money line there and, and see what happens with that one. But I do agree with that line coming down a little bit here early in the week on the side as well. Well, I'm going to go with the buyer beware thing on the Rams a little bit. Uh, and, and say, because I had said the same thing, that, you know, the Rams with Donald and Ramsey, they've got the, the better defense. I still think they have the better defense, but I think it's a slightly better defense now because Seattle was getting gashed week after week. But Seattle's defense plays a pretty good football now. Uh, since they got Carlos Dunlop, and in fact, Dunlop comes up with, the, again, the game-saving play against the Redskins. 
He has been flat out, and you don't see trades in the NFL too often. That has been an incredibly impactful trade since Carlos Dunlop came over to Seattle. That defense is playing good, and Jalen and um, Jamal Adams is flying around the football field. Don't sleep on Seattle's defense. It's not what it was in the first half of the season. This, this, this is. Uh, I think either one of these teams can string something together in the playoffs. And I do say the Rams are the slightly better defense. But, I mean, who do you trust more, Russell Wilson or Jared Goff? Because you know, Goff can light you up for 350 one week and throw three picks and do some of the stupidest stuff you've ever seen the next week. So I trust Russell Wilson a lot more than I trust Jared Goff. No, that's fair. And, of course, we'll have to see what the weather looks like up in Seattle for this one, too, where you know Jared Goff is – is a guy that can thrive under optimal conditions, you know, no pass rush, good weather, all of that. If Seattle finds a way to get some pass rush here, and of course, if the weather's bad, then, you know, you do worry about golf a little bit more. Moving back to Saturday here, the late game, Miami and Vegas. Miami, two and a half with extra juice or three, 47 and a half the total for this one. And, uh, you know, the last few data points for the Raiders have been very, very poor, to say the least. But they're only a three-point dog here, which I think speaks to kind of the respect for the offense, the respect for that statistical profile. What do you think about the game, Brian? Well, what I think, I'm sure a lot of people could care less about, and specifically the Dolphins, but I watched that game with the Patriots, and you could tell that was a field goal game, and every point mattered, and they get the ball first and third down at the four-yard line, late first quarter. And Tua gets blitzed and rushed, and he's getting sacked, and he just throws a wild pass to the corner of the end zone. He gets picked. It could have been a pick six. He gets picked off. So instead of being up 3-0, now they find themselves down, and the whole game changed on a dime. Now, Miami came out at the start of the second half and imposed their will, went down, got the lead. That defense is so good. I think Miami is making a huge mistake here. Yes, the future for Tua, he's your guy. And I don't know how you you go back on this. And the crazy thing is I've spent my entire life, Ryan Fitzpatrick drives me nuts, you know. But the level he was playing at, I think Miami's really running the risk of squandering an opportunity this year by doing this with Tua because that I think I think they'd have won the game handily against the Patriots comfortably if Fitzpatrick was playing. I, I just, the Tua doesn't stretch the field. Uh, it's a lot of running around and he's, he's going to be fine. I get it. But it, with the way that defense is playing, I think there's a very dangerous team. If Fitzpatrick were the quarterback as for this week, this may be the worst thing that ever happened. And to get a false security blanket here because the Raiders defense is so bad Tua is probably going to look pretty good in this game. You know, the Raiders secondary, they're a mass unit. The Raiders mathematically aren't eliminated yet. Um, 47 and a half is a pretty high total with that Miami defense. The problem is Miami's defense can actually put points on the board themselves. Uh, I, I I don't like the game. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I think – I would lean Miami's way, but I, again, I, I come back to, I just don't trust. I just don't trust Tua to be able to, if, if for some reason the game were to open up and turn into a mini shootout, I don't know that he's the guy that can keep pace and, and car and that offense, the Raiders can score. It's just the fact that their secondary has just been a disaster. Can Tua take advantage of it? Yeah, I mean, that is the big question. And furthermore, you know, Tua and the Dolphins have left a lot of points out there on the field in the red zone. Ever since he took over, whether it's the play calling or just the execution, that's been problematic for the Dolphins. And initially last week, I liked the Dolphins. We talked about that game here on the show. I know everybody ran through that stat about Belichick against rookie quarterbacks and and all of that. And, you know, for the most part in that game, he did befuddle Tua. But that Miami defense able to win the day. And Miami also, as you mentioned, able to kind of assert their will a little bit in the second half. I don't have that same feeling for Miami here this week. This is a no play for me, just not a game I'm super interested in. So we'll move to Sunday here. And I think one of the big storylines from a betting standpoint here, as far as Sunday goes, is that 
Pittsburgh was thought to be, you know, a two, two and a half point favorite against Indianapolis on the look aheads, kind of in everybody's mind. And then last night happened and Pittsburgh loses outright, looks awful in the process. Big Ben looked atrocious in that game all over social media, court of public opinion, writing off Pittsburgh to say the least. Now Indianapolis, the clear cut favorite at Heinz field. Yeah. And in Indianapolis, honestly, well, Pittsburgh's got to play too, because Cleveland's right there. So it turns into a monster game, but you know, Indy was kind of my pick before the season started to be the one that could maybe upset the card a little bit and come out of the AFC. And, and again, I, I really make a case specifically. I think, I do think if Buffalo continues to play the way they're playing, I would make the case, maybe the main danger for the chiefs, but they could also stub their toe because any one of these teams can beat you. But you know, Indy's got a running game. Rivers is doing a much better job protecting the football. Can he do that against this aggressive secondary? Uh, but I, I look at Indy and Tennessee as teams, uh, specifically Rivers at Indy. Tennessee played last year, made it to the championship game. Uh, I think Cleveland, there's got to be a bit of a learning curve, you know, to get there, have that experience of being in the playoffs, and and, and they learn from it. But Indy's a team I could see making a run. I really, I really can. Can Pittsburgh? I, you know, I I would say the under, because this Pittsburgh defense can fly around and can make big plays, and this might be the kind of game where Rivers has a turnover or two, and Roethlisberger just seems off kilter. And he, he it's funny they were saying on the Monday Night Broadcast. You know, Roethlisberger says, yeah, I want to come back and play another year. And I'm watching the game and I'm going, okay, well, good luck with that. Because the, well, the one thing he's doing, and I understand why he's doing it, is he can't take these shots anymore. So everything he does is just a dink and dunk and underneath thing. And then, over, then occasionally, you know, he'll throw the bomb over the top to Devontae Johnson or James Washington. There's a chance, right, I believe Connor's coming back. And I thought Snell played fine. It wasn't that game wasn't on Snell. He ran hard for the Steelers. If I if I had to play the game, I could see Pittsburgh being. And they say they're pissed off. They're a mad football team. I'd probably lean to the under a little bit. Would be if I if I had to play the game, that's where I'd go. Yeah, this is one. I mean, look, it's shaping up to be a decent teaser play on Pittsburgh. I guess if you trust their offense, low total. You can tease through that three and seven <clears throat> corridor. The thing for me with Pittsburgh is that, you know, I, I've talked about this a few weeks and I wish I would have continued this fate of the Steelers, but you know, that offense has been average all year long and now it's become a below average offense. The defense carried them early in the year. Then they started losing guys to injury. You know, they lose Dupree, they lose Spillane. They had another guy go down yesterday in the game whose name escapes me right now. That defense that was really good is now starting to use a lot of second team guys. And it really lessens the margin for error offensively and they need a high margin for error on offense because they just don't move the football effectively. So I'd have to look Indianapolis or nothing here at this point. I don't know if I can fire on it. I don't know about rivers in a close game and all of that, but uh, you know, a lot of interesting storylines to say the least. Speaking of interesting storylines here, no lineup for Carolina and Washington, but this coming across the wire, Alex Smith still dealing with that calf strain, Dwayne Haskins, goes to the strip club without a mask on. So now has you gotta be facing either facing a fine for the game or a four game suspension. So we'll see. I don't know if it falls under the purview of the NFL or under Washington, but uh, not, not a great look. for and, the, and the so, this, quarterback. so this is the guy you draft in the first round to be the franchise quarterback and be a leader. He does that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and, and he's, and he's getting, he's getting an opportunity uh, through injury to, <laughs> you know, I won't say salvage career. He's a kid, but to, you know, maybe, maybe make a case for himself. Well, he just made the case, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not a good case. And again, uh, no lineup on that game right now. Got some injury situations really for both teams, but especially that injury situation on possible suspension situation. Now at quarterback for Washington, who, you know, I mean, they need that game here coming up this weekend. So, uh, you know, we'll see what they wind up doing there at the quarterback position. But, uh, Brian, looking at the rest of the card here for Sunday, 
Atlanta and Kansas City is intriguing because, again, here we've got Kansas City laying double digits where they just don't seem interested in doing anything other than winning and, uh, you know, worrying about the bottom line. They are not covering spreads uh, as a favorite and have certainly had issues covering some of their bigger favorite roles this season. And again, uh, you know, what Andy Reid will do here, I mean, the I can see Kansas City – you know, covering this game in the first half. But, I mean, the, the point is exactly what we were talking about earlier. At the tail end, now obviously the game was in doubt, but at the tail end of the Saints game, you lose Edwards Hilaire to a high ankle sprain, and then Bell looked like he kind of hyperextended his knee, but he got up and I, I, I think he's okay. But Kansas City... They start resting guys. I mean, okay, listen, man, we got we're gonna we got the buy here. Let's 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 get healthy. So I'd be very leery of the backdoor cover. We got to check the weather in Kansas City. Get get pretty gnarly at Arrowhead. But uh, if I was if I was diving in on this game, I, I'd be doing something in the first half because I think that's what you can trust. What you you're gonna see guys out there in the first half, but the second half to me is just such a gray area it's it's pretty hilarious that i'm going to call this a square position but you've got a kansas city team you know are going to be the most public team in the nfl right now but they're just not covering double digit numbers they did it against the jets they did it earlier in the year against new england that one was a little bit precarious as well didn't do it against vegas in fact lost the game at home outright against vegas uh didn't do it against miami a couple weeks ago didn't do it against denver a couple weeks ago like you said, they play very well in the first half, first three quarters, and then if they need a score in the fourth quarter, they find a way to get it. It's square as hell, but I like Atlanta catching double digits here because I think there are two things that are interesting about this game. The first is four of the last five have been on the road for Kansas City, and they've won those games by four, by three, by six, and by three. So this is a team that I think has to be maybe a little bit tired coming into this game where they can rally for that Week 17 game against the Chargers if it actually matters. The second thing is, I know that the Falcons have plenty of issues. They're, you know, they have issues on defense. They can't hold leads. They blow games in the second half, so on and so forth. Well, A, I don't need them to hold a lead here. I just need them to keep the game close. And B, they play really hard for Raheem Morris. And I think that you can kind of look at these next two games as a thank you to Raheem Morris, who will not get the job full-time. At least I don't think so. They're playing the reigning Super Bowl champions, and then playing Tampa Bay in the rematch game in week 17, where I don't know if the Buccaneers will have anything on the line necessarily or not, but they should show up for these last two games and play pretty hard. So I like Atlanta. Again, I think it's very square, even though it's against Kansas City. It's very square to be on a public dog sometimes, but I just don't see Kansas City being super motivated this week. I just really don't. Well, just like I hate the word value, I, I hate I hate the – I hate the sharp and square thing in pros versus Joe's, you know, I mean, the, the, the sharp money, you know, you'll know better than anybody. Not, not that I'm saying you were doing it, but for the last four years, well, they're finally there now, but for the last four years, the sharp money was on the Cleveland Browns week after week after week. And it's just like taking money and burning it. Uh, you know, all that matters to me, is it a winner or is it a loser? I mean, who cares, you know, who bet what? All right, so let's see that, what you think. That's, that's a me thing. That, that, that's a me thing. It's like me with analytics, too. No, that's fair. I mean, that's fair. At least you're consistent with it. You know, a lot of people just kind of waffle back and forth whenever it fits their narrative, whenever it makes sense for them to use it. But you know, yep. you're consistent with it all the time. So, you know, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that. We're, we're certainly allowed to have a difference of opinion. No, in- that, that's absolutely true. And, and, and I don't know. Honestly, I, I, I'm trying to think, is, is that actually a square thing uh, to take those points? I, I, don't, I don't know. And the funny thing is, when everybody's going to sit there, okay, you know, we, we've watched this for five weeks now. In Kansas City just goes through the motions, blah, 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 right? The minute everybody gets off the train, they go and win a game 52 to 10. No, that's fair. And it's, it's certainly a possibility with that Atlanta defense, which has been better of late, but, you know, still certainly a lot of holes 
a lot of flaws with that unit. I want to talk to you about the two primetime games to finish up here with today's show. Tennessee, Green Bay. Green Bay, three and a half or three with extra juice. Total 56, mostly across the board here. Starting to see some 56 and a halfs pop out there in the marketplace as well. So a lot of points expected here at Lambeau Field on Sunday night. Yeah, and I I look at that and I kind of giggle a little bit. And I I can't do it. I'm I like the under in the game. I listen, it's it's a Sunday night game. I checked the weather. The high's 28. But at night, the games, it's going to be 18, 19 degrees when they play this game. Who knows whether it's blustery or windy by the time we get there. And I know this Tennessee defense can be really, really quirky and goofy and not get off the field on third down. Uh, The safest play you can make in this game or find the player props and play Devontae Adams over anything you can find. Because against Carolina, it was the first week Devontae Adams was not invisible, but he had 42 yards, I think. I'm telling you, the best bet in this game is Devontae Adams is going to get a touchdown. Devontae Adams is going to have over 100 yards. Uh, he's not going to have a back-to-back quiet week. That That's not going to happen. But I do believe the weather to me just the, the cold environment and we are getting close to the playoffs and you want, you want to get that style going. That's going to be successful. And we saw green Bay against Carolina. It was kind of a close to the best game. I think you see a ton of Derrick Henry here. And I, I just think it's a lot of points and it's mostly the weather. I, yeah, it may threaten it. It could get, I mean, they, they could go over, but I see the field goal kickers maybe having to make a little, be a little busy here. Teams moving it between the 20s, not necessarily getting it in the end zone. But I like Adams props over, and I like the under in the game. Yeah, and as I look at this, I just ran the query in the KillerSports.com database. One game since at least 1995 at Lambeau Field week 13 or later with a total over 53 and a half. That was back in 2014. It was a Packers-Falcons game. Finished 43-37, flew over the total of 56, but... That speaks to what you're saying. This is an historical outlier in terms of December games at Lambeau Field. So this is one to me where, you know, look, I understand why the total is high. Both of these offenses, very efficient. Uh, A lot of people don't like the Tennessee defense. A lot of people very skeptical of the Green Bay defense. I understand all of those points. But as you said, I mean, this is an historical outlier. And generally speaking, you don't make money playing on historical outliers like this. So I'll be curious to see what happens with the total again. Weather forecast. I'm surprised. I'm surprised the total went up, buddy. I I thought for sure. I do a video at the beginning of the week, you know, and where we project that the totals were. I I and maybe it still will. That and and, and okay, here I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. Uh, I'm not saying. Wait a minute. See, it was a, a square play, but I was. But I did say though that I thought sharp money would would drive this total down. Uh, and I, it, it may still, but it, it, at least now you're saying some 56 and a halfs are popping up. I'd envision the closer we get to the weekend, I think cooler heads are going to be prepared, colder heads because it's Green Bay. I think this total probably comes down to about 54 and a half, 55. Well, and again, you know, when I look at this from even a total of 50 or higher, only seven games previously, week 13 or later up at Lambeau Field with a total in the 50s. So, Again, you know, we'll see if this one winds up being the offensive shootout the line projects it to be. Uh, what about the side? You know, what are you kind of looking at there in terms of you know, a Tennessee team that has found its offensive footing again? Defense still pretty weak. Uh, Green Bay, you know, I'm not going to say they're going through the motions necessarily, but you know, they've sort of adopted kind of that Kansas City mold of, eh, you know what, we're just going to win. I don't know if we're really that worried about covering. Uh, well, Maybe you, I think I'm right. Maybe you please let me know if I'm wrong. New Orleans, Green Bay had the tiebreaker over New Orleans, right? Going into last week. I believe so, yeah. So even if Green Bay were to lose this, there's still the one seed. Right. Yeah. Green Bay beat the Saints earlier in the year. Oh, there you go. So it's, it's a two game lead. Uh, so, you know, it's not the end of the world. 
if Green Bay loses this game. But, you know, the, the, they'll know where they stand uh, because the New Orleans-Minnesota game will be over. But Tennessee's the one, though, you know, fighting for the division lead. I'd have a slight lean to a slight lean to Tennessee in this spot. And and, and I think the, the deciding factor for me, I think across the board, the AFC is better than the NFC. And, and I don't, I think the records prove that out. I think the way we've watched these games, when these teams play head to head, I think the AFC is a, a deeper, better conference. And it may, may be that simple uh, to, to make a, a decision on the side. Lastly, Bills Patriots. Monday Night Football here. Bills seven-point road favorite against New England. I'm not even going to try and find the last time that happened for Buffalo on the road at Fox. I never thought you'd say it. Maybe maybe it never has. I don't know. Well, it probably did back in like the the early 90s, I would say. But Buffalo, you know, they finish off the AFC East. Good for them. They don't really have a shot at the number one seed. Kansas City should take care of that. Maybe it's better for Buffalo to finish second instead of third. But, you know, or fourth, I guess, as the case would be. What do you think about him here, though, laying this big number on the road at Foxborough? Well, you would look at this and say this is the letdown spot to the moon for the Bills. They win the division first time in 25 years. Fly home, 10,000 people are at the airport cheering them on when they get home. But I, I do think, even though they this is the official passing of the torch, they've won the AFCs. I think there's a part of me says they want to still be the one to drive a stake in the, in new England's heart. The one gray area here. I like the over. All right. I think you play the bills in the first half because Allen and, and those guys will be out there. Then they could pull them out. And the bills have been printing money by having the lead at the break. Uh, but I like the over in the game. I've yet to hear it, hear it announced, but I mean, as smart as Belichick is, he can't be stubborn enough, can he, to play Newton in this game? I mean, does he want to go through this again next year? And I'm not blaming Cam Newton. I mean, the wide receivers just aren't open. But wouldn't you use these two games, if you're Belichick, to see what you've got in Stidham? Because Stidham was going to be their starter, and at the 11th hour, they get Cam Newton, and he gets the job, and Belichick's I think gets sucked into Brady's gone and we can still make the playoffs, but I'm going to go with the veteran quarterback. Well, it didn't work. Okay. It's not the end of the world, but these are the Patriots. This is, you know, foreign territory to them. But if you were Belichick, would you not throw Stidham in there for these last two games? Let me see what I'm dealing with here for this kid, because Brady never came out of football games. Uh, Give this kid two games, see what you got. So you can make a plan for next year. So I've got to believe you see Stidham in this game. And I do think the Bills will rest people in the second half. The first go-round, the Patriots can't stop the run. The first game, Diggs and Moss had 190 yards rushing on them. I think the Bills' offense, and and I think New England's a little deflated too, I think the Bills' offense is going to produce points. But if you see Stidham in this game, I, I think the Patriots will get points because I think the Bills start resting guys in the second half. I like the Bills in the first half, and I like the game over. Biggest road favorite role at Foxborough for the Bills since 1993. First time favored on the road against the Patriots since 1999, which, you know, of course, not really a huge surprise uh, with uh, you know, the, something that looks like that. Yeah, and I, I, can, I can say with certainty that I was at that game. All right. There you go. No, I mean, covered the Bills for 14 years. During, I mean, I was at every – so I was, I was up at Foxborough. And, and, I mean, my God, I go all the way back to Schaefer Stadium. Well, I agree with everything you said, too. I mean, you know, I think that you've got to start looking maybe at some of the derivatives here over the last couple of weeks. Maybe you want to look at first halves, expecting these teams, you know, to ensure that their players stay in rhythm. They play the first half. They get them the hell out of there. I think that's something that definitely makes a lot of sense. Or if nothing else, you know, Buffalo needs to throw the football. The running game sort of has bright spots here and there. But this offense goes through Josh Allen and that passing game in the second half. Allen might drop back and throw when he absolutely has to. They'll try to force feed the run, let the clock run on this game, especially if they have a big lead, stuff like that. You have to think about game state here and about sort of what these teams are going to do in the second half if they've got these leads, if they're comfortably ahead, whether it's rest players or just have an altogether different script for the game. So 
I agree with you in terms of derivative betting, first and second half plays, live betting opportunities, stuff like that. A very good approach here over week 16 and 17. Well, I'm just looking at their schedule and I'm going from memory and I'm 90% right. I mean, right. I convinced I'm right on this, that I think uh, you can go all the way back to November 1st and the bills have had the lead in every game since then uh, at the half, Uh, New England, Seattle, Arizona, uh, the chargers, the Niners, they were lucky to get the lead at the half against the Steelers. Uh, they had a pick six for a touchdown in the final minute of the first half would put them ahead. And then they murdered Denver. The bills have had the lead going to the locker room. Absolutely. In their last two, four, uh, seven games, their last seven, at least. And it may be, and then the, the going to the beginning of the season, it may be even more than that, but they're on a seven game streak, at least of having the lead at the break. So, you know, play play the whatever it is. Probably I think it'll be four. Probably four minus four in the first half. Yeah, it sounds like it. Three and a half with juice or four or something like that. <laughs> Lots of good insights on today's show with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how can people check out those two shows of yours? All right, but uh, yeah, thank you. Um, we're going to be on the we're on the Sports Grid Radio Network, and that's going to be debuting on. Sirius 204 starting January 7th, and I'm doing an extra hour a day for them. So uh, let's see, we'll rattle this off. From 11 to 1 Pacific time, I'm on the Sports Grid Radio Network with Sportsbook Radio. We do an extra hour now for them. Uh, and then we're on KSHP.com where there's a listen live function. And then every day at 1 p.m. Pacific time, we do Vegas Hockey Hotline, which has been Uh, We've soldiered through the whole pandemic, and now we're actually talking about honest-to-God hockey, which is exciting. And uh, you get everything on my Twitter, at Brian Blessing. And usually you join me uh, on Tuesdays, but we're going to get a little holiday stuff going on this week, so uh, we'll get you back on the beam next week. But, you know, a lot of stuff going on. Excited the hockey's coming back, too. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of great stuff going on on Brian's Twitter page, at Brian Blessing. And make sure you check out his videos for us over on our ATS youtube page brian always a pleasure man thank you so much for joining me merry christmas to you and yours bud and we'll talk to you again next week adam you and your family uh we love doing this each and every week we did it's good stuff i hope you have a merry christmas bud there you go there's brian blessing again at <laughs> brian blessing sportsbook radio vegas hockey outline make sure you check out the sportsbook radio on that sports grid radio network Coming up on our Wednesday edition of the show, we'll chat with professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. Half college football, half college basketball on tomorrow's show. Thursday, Brad Powers will join me for some college football and some NFL talk. And then Friday, uh, probably going to try to record Thursday night, not to uh, you know get involved with the Christmas holiday there, uh, with my week 16 picks for the Circus Sports Million, 42, 32, and 1 on the season now. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.